not sure. I thought I heard that Larusa can't appeal. He might have forgot. He might have forgot. <laughs> forgot it all happened. He showed up to work thinking, oh, it's just another day. <laughs> <laughs> Here's your pudding. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to the Super Halo Brothers Los Angeles Angels podcast, episode 30, The Future of the Angels with Angels Top Plays. Hey, everybody, welcome into another edition of the Super Halo Brothers Los Angeles Angels podcast. My name is John, and that's my brother, Mike. And my name is Mike, and that's my brother, John. And we're super excited this edition because we have a special guest with us. We have Andrew from Angels Top Plays. Welcome, Andrew. Mike, John, great to be on with you guys. I've really enjoyed this podcast so far. I'm excited tonight to be on with you guys. Absolutely, man. Uh, it was great to uh, get to connect with you and, and meet you uh, on Halo's Haven and All Angels podcast. That was a lot of fun. I had a good time. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> that was an awesome conversation. Definitely. So, uh, uh, Andrew, we can find you on Instagram at angels underscore top plays. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Awesome. And then you're also on Twitter at Plays Angels. So I want to make sure we get the get the handles out there. If you are not already following Andrew at Angels Top Plays and you're an Angel fan, what are you doing? Right. You gotta You're not an Angel fan. <laughs> That's the problem. And listen, I can speak to I can speak to Instagram is different than Twitter. His Instagram, he's got the highlights and he's got videos, but Twitter, oh, yeah. you get the hot takes. And so you gotta follow him on both platforms if you want to get like soft and kind andrew go instagram but if you want aggressive and mean andrew man you want to be on twitter i I like to have them both i like to get punched in the face and then handed a cookie so (laughs) twitter twitter's where i post without thinking (laughs) we all feel it (laughs) yeah i I think that's what twitter is just in general just posting without thinking (laughs) yes Yes. exactly well uh yeah thanks for jumping in with us man we got a lot to uh cover in this episode that we're really excited to uh have you sit in with us and just be part of the conversation. Um, if you guys uh, want to follow us on social, you can find us at Super Halo Bros on both Twitter and Instagram. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please make sure you leave that five-star review and your comments. We love getting those. And we're also part of Around the Diamond, which you can follow on Instagram and Twitter, a great group of content creators who follow a bunch of different teams across MLB. And uh, I think that about does it. So let's get into it, Mike. What do you got for me? John, you actually attended an Angel game. And I did. we're all jealous, but you did it in a very unusual way. You left your wife at home and you went <laughs> to the Angel game with Julio from the Town Tailgate podcast. I did. And he yes. is an A's fan. And so I, I, my questions for you are one, uh, why did you go with an A's fan? Two, <laughs> did you actually sit with him? Three, did you admit that you were friends? No, I'm kidding. Go ahead and tell us a little bit about <laughs> what that was like. Yeah, we had a great time. So we we scored those those $3 tickets that are available all through September. So if you haven't gone to a game yet or if you're interested in going, now's the time Thanks, because Artie. they're they're yeah, they're basically giving them away at this point. So uh you know, we had a great time and and we had no intention of actually sitting in our seats. We ended up just on the patio under the scoreboard watching the game from there. We eventually did go to our seats, but our our plan was, eh, let's just get into the stadium and have food and hang out and have a good time. So that's what we ended up doing. But no, Julio, I mean, his, his passion for the A's, I think matches the passion that the three of us have in our love for the angels. And so he, he's an A's fan through and through. So it was, it was fun. It was a fun experience to go with somebody who's not a fan of the angels because that's usually who you go with to the games. But, uh, no, we had a great time. His two other friends came along and one's a Giants fan and one's a Dodgers fan. So it was a, it was a, a an odd family reunion, that's a, I guess. That's a uh, hodgepodge or a cornucopia of people, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> Great perspectives from from all different fans of different teams. So, but you know, it's disappointing. It was it was fun to uh, come back in the end and, yes. and tie it up and make it interesting. I had I was having a little fun with him, but uh, unfortunately, we we did not walk away with the win on Sunday, and and uh, we 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 got swept. So. We did. <laughs> We did. And how about that record against the A's? What, 4-14? and 14? Was that the record of, of the Angels against four, the A's this yeah, year? Yeah, something like that. 4-15. Yeah, Unreal. And and I think we to throw it back to the podcast that we all kind of met on was uh, Halo's Haven. We, we talked about how we needed to beat the West, and 
we aren't beating the West. And so that's no, why we are where we are right now as a baseball team. Yeah. If we had just gone 500 against the West, we would be having a very different conversation at this point in the season, but that is not what happened. No, <laughs> not at all. Not at all. So yeah, we had a great, great time and uh, uh, it was nice to catch uh, one last game before the season was out. So that was a lot of fun, but uh Speaking of, of good things coming our way at the end of the season, I know there's a lot to be uh, disappointed with at this point, but it was good to see Alex Cobb back. How about that? Yes, that was really exciting. I, I'd love to get Andrew's take on how important Cobb's return is to the Angels' starting rotation. He looked phenomenal. Five innings, two hits, two walks, five Ks, only 66 pitches, but obviously they're trying to protect him. It felt like Mike Sosha was back, right? Like we're pulling people in the fifth inning, <laughs> right? Right. So Andrew, I'd love to get your take on how important this return is to the Angels starting rotation. Yeah, I think it was the best we could have seen out of Cobb, honestly. I mean, 66 pitches and five innings pitch. If he's in like full like return mode, he could, I mean, that's that's complete game kind of quality stuff yeah. that we saw to him. Um as far as this season, it's a nice morale boost for the team. It's good to see those good performances right now in this final month of the season when we're really not working towards anything beyond October 3rd. Overall, though, right now where the team's at, looking at 2022, trying to decide what pieces are there. Cobb's kind of the guy in the middle of are we going to see him in the part of the starting rotation next year or are we not? And it starts like this, getting at least two or three more out of them are really important to deciding if he can be part of that starting rotation next year. And I think that's the biggest part of getting him to return, even if it's just for a handful of starts. Make the call right now. Do you think that he actually comes back? Do the Angels resign him for next year? Yes. Yeah, I was, I was yes before the injury. Um, and I'm yes, I'm definitely yes after seeing that. And, and of course, chance there could be a chance he kind of blows up <laughs> moving forward the next few weeks. But I think we bring him back with the expectation he's a 3-4 guy. And that's very dependable, very kind of reliable. We know what we're going to get um, out of him in the middle of the starting rotation. Yeah, he's a he's a 3-4 guy, but he's also the veteran presence in that rotation. I mean, him, his wisdom and his years of experience, like, that that can't be understated. And I think that has a, a, a benefit to this young rotation, even even Otani in, in some ways. I know Otani's been around longer than some of these other guys and, and doing it longer, but I still think that... Cobb has a lot of wisdom to share when it comes to the the future of this rotation, especially if we're going young, the way that it's looking with Patrick Sandoval and you've got Canning and Suarez and, and, uh, and, uh, Berea. I think, I think that Cobb will be the centerpiece in terms of the, the experience and the wisdom, but yeah, three or four starter, somebody that you can count on as a three or four. I really enjoyed having him back because I've always been a big fan of Cobb and to see him get through, as Andrew pointed out, five innings and only throw 66 pitches. It was kind of a bummer to see them yank him. Totally understand. But as a fan, it would have been great to see him go the distance or at least go as far as he could go. And, and it was a wrist injury, correct? Was that what, what he was dealing with? Yeah. Yeah. It was a mm-hmm. long yeah. wrist injury that just it was kind of nagging and didn't go away. So, yeah. So, Speaking of injuries, I I read this, and um, I wanted to bring it to the conversation today. On July 16th, this was a tweet. On July 16th, Madden said this about Mike Trout, that Trout is close to 100%, but not running at 100%. He will have to do that before a rehab assignment, and Madden said he expected him back in less than two weeks. And then we get the news that Trout's probably not coming back. Now, I think you guys know where I'm going with this. It seems like Madden needs to just stick to managing and not being <laughs> a, a psychiatrist or a physician or a or anything, right? Like so so Andrew, tell me, why why is Joe Madden misdiagnosing the length of our team's injuries? Is it just because he didn't go to school? Is it just because he's not paying attention? Like what's happening there? I mean, I'll tell you, hearing those tweets like actually hurts because I remember being so excited to get Trout back. <laughs> yes. I get to, like I'm right? sitting here just like, oh man, this this hurts hearing this again. Um, but I think Madden is the type of manager who's worrying about what's in front of him and the pieces he has in winning that game tonight and the next day. Very kind of short time frame of what he looks at. So I don't, I don't like narc on him for not knowing the exact injury status of Mike Trout. With that being said. I do narc on him for talking to the media like he knows what's going on with my power <laughs> with any of these injuries. Yes. 
because that's the source for us. Then we get that and we're super excited and we're like, all right, great. But then like something else comes out and then it turns us into just questioning the entire organization, essentially, you know, how Angels fans can be. We just go zero to a hundred real quick. We can? No. So <laughs> okay, no, we're all so even tempered and even keeled. Huh? Um, oh, oh, how young and naive we were on July 16th when, when Madden said those things. Just, we had so much optimism yeah. and, and so much hope. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's been crushed. There's this there's this <laughs> joke, Andrew, that that John and I have uh, off off air um, that we've had for the last couple of years is that we'll make a really good point and then we'll intentionally throw in the phrase having said that. And it's usually the other side of the coin. And so when you said that, <laughs> exactly. I think with Joe Madden, it has been a having said that year with Joe Madden and with our team. So, John, tell me, Absolutely. why do you think? Outside of what Andrew has said, is there anything else that you can add to this conversation? Why is Madden misdiagnosing the length of our team's injuries? I'm going to give a shout out to Daniel of Halo's Haven and All Angels Podcast because he had Rhett Bollinger on the podcast Such last a good week. interview. Such a good oh, interview. Oh, that was fantastic. Awesome. And he straight up asked Rhett about, hey, what's the deal with Joe not getting <laughs> these injuries right? Like, what's the deal with Joe? <laughs> Got to do a little, little Jerry there. Um he asked him uh, straight up what the what the deal was with that, and and Rhett's answer was really eye opening. And it's the fact that it, it it basically basically comes down to Madden isn't doing his homework. He's not doing the reading. He's not doing the class reading and ready for the test <laughs> the next day. And Andrew, you made a good point. He he pays attention to what's in front of him. He pays attention to the guys on the field and what's going on with them. So as far as the injury updates are concerned, I mean, he said that it comes down from, from the medical team who gives it to the PR team, who gives it to Madden. And that's where Madden is supposed to get his information. And you know, I, I guess I understand in the sense that you, you are the manager and you're paying attention to what's going on on the field, but I, I just feel like it's so important to be in the know with the injuries on your players. I mean, all of us, when we hopped on that podcast together before the All-Star break, we were so hopeful that, yeah, in a few weeks we'll have Trout back, we'll have Rendon back, we're kind of, you know, middle of the road right now, but once those guys are back, we're going to take off, and, and that is just not what happened, and, and so, you know, we had to pull the plug on our playoff hopes a few weeks ago. And, and I think, I think as of Monday, the magic number was like, we were eliminated from contention with the, uh, the magic number of, of wins and losses. So we can kiss those goodbye officially at this point. <laughs> I let those go a long, long time ago. So I, y- y'all seen uh, Mad Men, the old classic TV shows on AMC, like early 2000s. Oh yeah. Like, okay. So yeah. I, I really look at Madden and any manager as somebody who needs to be like Dom Draper. Like they need to, they need to manage the language. They need to manage the communication. And I, I'm not a fan of the Patriots in the NFL, but I do love how their coach communicates when they ask a question, he says, yes. And then it just sits there, right? Like, you know, what about this? Good old Belichick. Right. Like, and that's, and that's it. Are you sad? Tom Brady's gone. Hmm. We like our guy. You know, and that and that's it. And, and there's something about that that media they can't stand because you don't get anything good from him. However, I think it's brilliant because he is communicating just enough to be able to, I think, check the box with the media, but also to let them know what is happening with his team. I think sometimes Madden just likes having a camera and a microphone in front of him, and and just likes sharing a little bit about his team. And he's, you know, maybe maybe his high hopes are coming out. Honestly, I could see myself, if I was in his position, I could see myself sharing my high hopes too and having people talk about me and telling me that I need to shut my mouth. So I can, I can see that. I just think he needs to be more of, of a Dom Draper. Like you need to just manage your communication and manage what you're saying and, and keep it ambiguous, like, like specifically ambiguous should be Madden's uh, moving forward. It should be his vision statement for his, for his communication ability. <laughs> We're going to trademark that specifically ambiguous. No, please do. <laughs> Dash Joe Madden. Right. <laughs> Well, hey, I texted you something the other day, Mike, because I noticed something watching the games against the White Sox, and it had to do with Jared Walsh. Jared Walsh was at bat, and I think he he had his pitch to hit. He didn't get it. Um, He was very clearly frustrated, and this isn't to say that he hasn't been doing well. He's actually been doing well his last like 15 games or so. He's actually been contributing. Seems like we've got 
Walshie back. I know that he slumped for a little bit, returning from injury. But one thing that came to mind when I saw the frustration in his approach to the plate and missing that pitch and not getting the hit that he wanted, I had a thought about the fact that this is a team full of very young guys from the starting rotation to the bullpen to some of the hitters in the lineup. So I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this one, you guys. Um, how has the lack of big hitters like Trout and Rendon and, and Upton to an extent, and even Otani with him slumping right now, and maybe Otani's part of this conversation as well. I think when you're a young guy and you know that you don't have to be the best guy in the lineup because you have your Trouts and your Rendons, that the, the pressure is taken off. So I'm interested, how has the lack of big hitters in this lineup affected Jared Walsh and some of these other young guys? Andrew, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's an excellent point you make because right now in our lineup, he's we've got two power threats, and it's Otani and it's him. And mm-hmm. Walsh, that wasn't the idea at the start of the season. It wasn't even close to what the idea was. Um, I think in a perfect lineup, Jared Walsh is batting fifth, and in front of him, mm-hmm. you're seeing, you know, you're just up and maybe David Fletcher kind of in that uh, one hole, and then Otani, Trout, Rendon, and then Jared Walsh. So he's not necessarily getting the protection behind him, but he's getting in front of him, either mostly coming up with dudes on base, which puts pressure on a pitcher, or just hitting these p- pitchers that already kind of work because they just work through one of the most difficult front halves of the lineup that there is in baseball. Right. And so now he's getting treated as if, I mean, he is now that sort of power threat. He's getting treated as such. And I, I kind of looked into this and tried to kind of read into some of the trends that we saw with him. Um, and I will say it's very positive. I want to go through it really quick with you guys. So after the All-Star break, Mike Trout's not back. Anthony Rendon's starting to come out. Um, Justin Upton's here and there. So this is where we start to see Jared Walsh come in to be the main power guy of the lineup. During that time period before his injury, because Jared Walsh went down after 10 games with that intercostal injury, he had 11 Ks, no walks, and seven hits, um, which was kind of a, a lot for the span compared to what he was doing that season. His his batting average dropped like 20 points. Yeah. Comes off the rehab, comes off rehab, or um, off the IL. Um, and in that first week, he has 14 Ks. Oof. So now you're kind of seeing what's happening as he's the guy now that's being, instead of um, pitched directly to, he's being pitched around and, and he's kind of like not used to that. So he's making swings at poor pitches, doesn't have right. like the best kind of vision and command in his own batting. The week after that, I think he begins to kind of realize the role he's starting to play in this lineup and how he's being faced by pitchers and how he's being viewed by pitchers as mm-hmm. that power threat of the lineup. He reduces it to two Ks. Ups his walk to ups his walks to three walks and then six hits over the course of that week and that's kind of the trend that you see his batting average kind of returned to that 270 280 range instead of kind of that 250 range it was falling into uh, and he really I think now we've seen him bat 300 in September and he's embraced that role I think that's something that's super positive to see out of a young player I don't think hopefully he isn't really in this position again where he's like the power guy but to see the transition that he was able to make it was such a mature and professional move that was super positive for me to see. Hmm. That's huge. That's a great observation yeah. to, to notice that, you know, he's, he, he was playing his game one way, started to realize, Oh, people are, people are treating me different now that I'm the power guy in this lineup and then make that adjustment. That's really cool. And it, it is a positive thing to see from such a young guy who quite frankly, doesn't have a lot of experience in the majors, especially with this being his first full season. Right. I think that's a, a, a great adjustment and a, and a great observation. This is why Andrew's on the team, right. baby. This is why he's here. <laughs> <laughs> I read the numbers. Yes. But yeah, I thought it was awesome to see. Um, and I loved seeing it out of, out of Jared Walsh, the guy who we've got, you know, ideally he's going to be our first baseman for the next few years. Yeah. I think you can learn either being thrown into the fire or learn watching somebody stoke the fire, right? And with the Albert Pujols trade and getting rid of some of these bigger names, I think what we're going to see from a Jared Walsh is exactly what we're seeing that the numbers are are telling us, that he is actually paying attention and going, oh, perhaps if I did this instead of that, or perhaps if I didn't swing here and maybe I was a little bit more patient there, and if I've got a lefty on the mound or if I've got a righty on the mound, I think we're going to see the maturity of Jared Walsh. We're already seeing it, but I think next year we're going to feel the maturity of Jared Walsh, and, and then he's not... With the hopes that the team stays healthy, the pressure isn't going to be on him as much as it is currently, but he's already shown that being thrown into the fire and feeling the pressure, he's able to adjust, which I love a smart ball player and somebody who actually can Mm -hmm. pay attention to what's happening is Mm -hmm. is a game changer, right? Instead of just somebody going out there and swinging away, which is fun to watch, but 
after a while, you do have to adjust. And with Jared Walsh, we've seen that. So I think the effect that it'll have on him is it, his maturity is going to develop. Plus, he's been just a gamer in the field. And so I'm thrilled that he's on our team. Oh, yeah. I, I, it makes me think of some of the other guys in this lineup who, and, and we've touched on this before, you think about like a, a David Fletcher, who is another guy that we really have to count on right now because he's he's one of the only big names in our lineup right now. Um, and, and he feels a little bit out of place. I know that he's been leading off. Um, he, he's been down in the second spot behind Brandon Marsh at times, but it seems like he really thrives in the nine hole. And when that healthy full lineup is there, he's a perfect nine hole hitter because he is a second leadoff guy. Um, but you can really see him pressing and, and really struggling at the moment. And I think that that pressure of not, again, not having the Trouts and Rendones and the Uptons in the lineup is, is demonstrated in the way that, that Fletcher is performing. So, and you would hope that he can kind of make the same adjustment that Walsh has made as well. So, but I, I think it, you really see it in Jared Walsh, but I, I also think that it extends to some of these other young guys in the lineup as well. Yeah. Can I just share like the most frustrating thing that I saw on Twitter was actually something that you tweeted out, Andrew. And, and it was that the angels are undefeated after eight innings. I believe it was like 61 and zero, maybe 62 and zero. And I saw that stat and it was so frustrating because the, the high hopes that I have in my heart for this team, again, I felt <laughs> like it just got popped because 61, 62, 63 and oh, when leading after eight innings is remarkable, which by the way, Perry, you need to extend Rizel, but hashtag extend when, Rizel. Extend when Rizel. you hear this stat, Andrew, you shared it. So when you shared this stat, what, what thoughts came to mind? What were you thinking about? What does it, what does it say about our team? Yeah, it's such a weird stat to read. I think when I first saw it, I kind of was like, is this, what is, is this impressive? And I'm like, wait, this is, this is incredible. Right, right. Especially I think. As Angels fans, we haven't had a solid closer in a long time. We've gotten very used to games being blown the ninth. We can definitely very much so appreciate this. Um, I think with it being 6-1-0, it's more than just a single player. There's kind of, I mean, you have, that means if there's games where we were up by a lot and didn't need, you know, to worry about losing in the ninth. Um, there's games where we were able to come from behind after things being blown in the ninth, things like that. But at the center of it, it is the man who you just mentioned, Rysa Iglesias. The guy is, like, ranking sixth in saves, and that's on a losing team. Every other guy in the top ten in saves um, are on winning teams. And for someone right. Wow. Right. Right. For someone to rank sixth in saves on a losing team means that he's, like, not missing his shots at all. And that's, I mean, he's the guy at the center of the reason why we are 61-0 when leading after nine innings. I thought that was just an incredible stat. I didn't even realize we had 61 wins. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't feel like it, honestly. I see that uh, that A's influence. You've been hanging out with them too much. Yeah, super interesting to, to know that. And, and it just goes to show, again, how important he is as the centerpiece of our bullpen. So once again, Perry, we know you're listening. You can't hide from <laughs> us. Extend Rysel. Yeah, uh, please do. So there was a bit of an incident that I wanted to discuss with you guys that, that came there up with that. There was an incident. Uh, <laughs> that, that came up with the White Sox series. So uh, there was a lot of controversy over the fact Mike Wright, a reliever from the White Sox, uh, was thrown out of the game for throwing at Otani. It was it was three pitches, three or four pitches that were just very inside. And then the the, the one that was uh, the, the straw that broke the camel's back was was thrown behind him. And so the umpires convened and they talked it over. They threw out Mike Wright. La Russa came trotting out uh, from the old folks home, um, the dugout, <laughs> and, uh, and he was arguing. So he got thrown out as well. So uh, as a result of that, Mike Wright got a three-game suspension. La Russa uh, got a one-game suspension. I know Mike Wright was appealing. I'm not sure. I thought I heard that La Russa can't appeal, but I'm, I'm, I might be wrong on that. But He might have forgot. He might have forgotten. <laughs> yeah. forgot he showed up. Happened. He showed up to work thinking, oh, "It's just another day." <laughs> <laughs> Sir, you're pudding. So I want to. I want to hear from you guys. Uh, did it seem intentional? Was it fair that they got suspended? Unfair? Um, when when Otani got hit, he seemed to be you know joking around with Gavin Sheets at first base about it, and even he seemed kind of surprised. But what are your guys' thoughts, Mike? Why don't you go first? 
Okay, so I'm going to preface this conversation with uh, a story from this weekend. So there's an older guy named Tom, Vietnam vet, that comes to the church that I lead, and he sits in the back, super great guy. And every every Sunday, he'll pull me aside, and he'll talk about the Angels. He's a Dodger fan, so he'll oh, talk wow. about the Angels. And <laughs> typically, typically the mud slides down the hill as we talk. So he's, he's making fun of me. But on Sunday, he goes, hey – why are they throwing at your boy? You know, and, I, and so I was like, yeah, I don't understand why. So even Tom, the Dodger fan who can't stand the Angels, saw what was happening there. And so I think it was fair. Obviously, they weren't trying to, I would say, injure him because they're throwing they throw him behind him. They, they hit him in the calf. And so I think that they were trying to do the least amount of damage, but it did, in, according to what we've heard, it's been in response to our guys throwing and possibly hitting their guys and having moments where they did hit their guys. But the thing that I really feel is happening there is our guys aren't throwing at anybody. They're just young minor league pitchers in the major leagues, and they're not sure where that ball is going. Plus, they don't have <laughs> spider tack, right? So they don't know where the ball is going. And so I don't think any of the things that we did were intentional, but I am biased. But I, I think that the suspension was fair and, you know, Otani's been carrying this team on his back. And so I wouldn't want to see him get hurt at all. So I would say protect Otani at all costs. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think without a doubt, the, the suspension's fair. I mean, when you suspend a pitcher for three games, you're really suspending them for, for one game, maybe two mm. in that three-day span. Um, it's written down in paper somewhere. You do this, you get this amount of, of, of games off, basically. Um, watching it back, I... I'm, I'm not convinced it was intentional. I think right just kind of sucks. Like, the first pitch was right there. Like, you watched it. It was a terrible, terrible, like, yeah, pitching uh, a sequence where he the first one they set up in, and he threw it almost hit his legs, and we're like, all right, stop that. You know, Matt Vasgersian gives his, like, you know, just his response. He did something. He was like, dude. Yeah. I'm like, that's <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's That's the that's something, that's something I would say. Yeah. That's something I would say. And then the second one, they set up outside and he throws it like into the grass. Didn't even make it to the dirt. Yeah. And then the third one, he hits him like square in the leg. So I'm not convinced that it was intentional, but for Joe Madden to be like, yo, they came out and it was intentional. And I'm like, all right, maybe he probably, I mean, Joe Madden has a better baseball mind than I do. So because he came out, was confident enough to say it was intentional, I think it was intentional. And then, yeah, of course, as an Angels fan, and Shohei Otani's currently our pride and joy this season, I'm like, yeah. all right, let's 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 throw down. Let's go to the south side. We'll, like, we'll round up Angels Twitter, and <laughs> you can't be thrown out <laughs> Otani like that. I don't right. care. And we hit, yeah. like, three guys in that series, like, the two games before. Can't be doing that. There, there's White Sox Twitter is virtually non-existent. And I'm shocked because mm. they have such a good team. And, and we were, I mean, I think Angel Twitter was looking for a fight and they couldn't find one because nobody was there. Nobody showed up. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it was interesting to me. There was a lot of people that, that were familiar with Mike Wright. And I believe, was he on the Orioles or something like that? I, I can't remember who exactly, which team he played for. But they all said, yeah, he, he's always been that way. Like, he's always been wild. And, and so it probably wasn't when any every pitches you there. have to duck. Yeah, exactly. Watch out. <laughs> But I also had to laugh because it'll be really interesting to see what happens with the White Sox from here on out because we all know what happened when somebody dare slanders Otani, and that was uh, Adam Adovito. And, and ever since yep. he yelled at Shohei, his his uh, season has not gone well. The Red Sox, who were dominating uh, the AL East and staying neck and neck with the Rays, are now trying to fight for that second wild card spot. So, I mean, if, if, the, if the curse of messing with Shohei landed on the Red Sox, uh, it would not surprise me to see it happen to the uh, the other Sox, the White Sox, as they approach the playoffs. <laughs> so we'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. <laughs> Don't mess yeah. with the chosen one, That's right? right. Don't mess Absolutely. with the chosen one. Otani's a gift from the baseball gods. If you want to you try to hurt that, then season's done. Be prepared I, to I deal with the consequences. I'm like, all right. I'm like White Sox are getting swept in the ALDS. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's, it's been decided. Yep, yep. Speaking it into existence, you don't have to because you've seen what happens when the baseball gods get mad at people throwing at Shohei That's or right. calling him names. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So there was this story that came out just this last week. I actually was really intrigued by it, so I want to throw it around and get your thoughts. Uh, Kieran Lovegrove is a career minor leaguer, and he actually is playing. Um, with the Angels in the minor leagues. I believe he's on the Trash Pandas. Now their season is over because of COVID, so they didn't get to play their final games. But he recently met with Perry Manassian, 
to discuss two things. One, extend Rizel. No, he actually didn't do that. But, um, but the other thing was to discuss better condition conditions for minor league players. He said the conversation was overwhelmingly positive. This was in response to, and I don't know if you guys saw it, but these players not financially making it, having to stay in their trucks, having to share hotel rooms, not eating healthy, and in fact, not even eating three square meals a day. And then somebody came back at him and said, well, this is the grind of making it to the majors. And I, that just irked me. And so I want to hear your thoughts. John, why don't you start? What's the grind and what's not? When it comes to getting to the majors, the grind is sharpening your skills and and having the athleticism and the skill set to make it to a baseball team and be in their organization. That's the grind. You start the grind in little league. You work your way up through high school and maybe even college and get drafted. And you work hard on developing your skills. But the but the grind is not struggling to eat. It's not where am I going right. to stay tonight. It's not where am I going to live. I, I don't think that that's the grind. And I understand that players, former players have come out and, and said like, well, that's just part of being a minor leaguer. And it's like, well, it doesn't have to be that way anymore. It's, it's, <laughs> this isn't the good old days or the bad old days, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it wasn't a good old day. Yeah. Like let's treat people with some human decency. And so just the fact that people are trying to make the grind like basic human needs, like I, I just, I don't agree with that at all. I think it's easy for these major league baseball players to come out and say oh it's the grind when the majority of your minor leaguers aren't going to make it to the major league baseball right and so it's easy for an mlb player to be like yeah that's the grind but like you also got the reward at the end like all these minor league players are fighting for that reward so if you make it there it's like oh yeah it was all worth it but for a lot of these guys they don't want to like they shouldn't have to live basically day to day with you know not necessarily knowing where they're sleeping when they're also trying to just focus on playing baseball and i think it's worth it for any team to go ahead and invest in just basic living housing things like that for these mining players to hopefully brew and 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 then create quality by uh, quality ball players yeah that's the biggest thing is it's like wouldn't you want to treat them well wouldn't you want them to be eating healthy wouldn't you want them to have safe and livable conditions because if their if their mindset and their mental health is strong, then that's only going to help their game on the field. And so, if you want to produce quality ball players, you got to take care of them. I mentioned this on our podcast like two weeks ago that I saw that the Kansas City Royals built some brand new condos for some of their minor leaguers, and and I thought that was super cool. And so, I really hope that perhaps with you know the new CBA happening in the off season, like maybe there's some caveats or some language in there that helps with housing and and food and that sort of thing like providing basic needs for for these guys mike what do you think isn't it interesting that we assume that that's just a part of what is expected and then we hear this in the news and we're like say what (laughs) you aren't doing that already (laughs) they're, they're not doing that I don't know if you guys saw it, but it's one of my favorite 30 for 30s. But it's uh, when Jordan rides the bus, when Michael Jordan retired and went and played for the Barons, White Sox minor league team. And the players actually really enjoyed having him there, but for reasons that actually weren't what we would expect. Not for the fact that they got to play with Jordan or see Jordan or get autographs or make friends. They got to ride the bus that he purchased. They got to stay in the hotel rooms because they needed higher security. And so because it was Michael Jordan, they were living the high life. They were living the bougie life, right? So that was an exciting thing for them. And some of these guys were career minor leaguers. And even back in 94, there was this narrative that wasn't as loud as it is today that these minor leaguers aren't being taken care of. And I just, it blows my mind that this is even a conversation you're right, John. Like, why wouldn't you want to take care of them? No wonder some of these guys struggle when they do make it to the major leagues, because it's not about like trying to hit the fastball. It's actually about trying to hit the fastball and wow, there's really good food here. And wow, I just had a really good night's sleep. (laughs) And wow, my mind isn't so wrapped up in where am I going to stay? And am I going to have enough money to take care of that? And are my wife and my kids okay? Like, they are removing layers so that these guys can actually be laser focused on playing ball. And to me, that seems so obvious, especially culturally from the top down. If you want your players to grab a hold of who it is that you are, then take care of them all the way down to the single lay. These guys hit with metal bats players, right? <laughs> like take care of all of them. And I don't understand why you wouldn't. And Artie has enough money 
to be able oh, to yeah. do yes. that. He has proven that in who he has signed over the last few years, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Is he still paying Josh Hamilton? I'm not sure, but like he's got oh, enough no. money to be able to do that. And so I think that that just seems like a no-brainer to me. You know, I was very familiar as a high school kid with the McDonald's dollar menu because it was like, how much can I get? for as little money as possible. And and I worried about that as a high schooler. That is not something that a professional baseball player should have to worry right. about. <laughs> they should not right. be familiar with McDonald's dollar menu. <laughs> they should be able to get Agreed. a quarter pounder with cheese. Yes. Not have to decide if they want cheese or not, right? <laughs> agreed, agreed. And I want to add, Indians and Rangers also built similar facilities in 2019. Oh, that's awesome. I love to hear that Perry Manassian's having these conversations. He's a guy who's focused on player development, and I think to have a well-rounded, full player development, you provide them with these housing and just basic needs. So super positive to hear that Perry Manassian's having those conversations. The, the one thing that I want to add to this conversation is, you know, our minor leagues over the last few years – have not been ranked very high. And the excuse has always been, ah, well, they're just not drafting the right guys, which might have been the case, although we've seen some really great players and Fletch come up, obviously Trout Mm -hmm. and all of that. But the reality might just be that maybe the circumstances aren't prime to be able to develop really strong players. And Brandon Marsh and Joe Adele might actually be better than we anticipate because they're now in the majors and they're not having to live at a motel six or at least outside in the lobby at a motel six, right? Like I love that Perry's paying attention to that and that's the culture that he's going to build. And I just see that really benefiting us for next year and years to come. Yeah. With, with Perry, I think that's something that we were all excited about was just his familiarity with player development and, and what he was able to do with the Braves and coming over and, and helping out there. So uh, I wanted to bring this up because I think we all saw the clip from over the weekend and it was during the Padres game and it was Manny Machado shouting at Fernando Tatis Jr. in the dugout and it looked like some fan in the stands caught the video and that thing went viral man and a lot of people's first impression of this video was like "Uh oh the Padres are imploding but if you actually looked later on and you saw kind of the breakdown of what was going on it was just a matter of Fernando was upset about a call. Jace Tingler got thrown out, and Machado was simply trying to remind him, hey, look, like I know you're upset, I know you're angry, but we can't afford for you to be thrown out of this game. And he reminded him, like, we, we all know you're the best. Like, we all get that. But it was not about you, it's about the team. But I think it sparked a conversation that I thought was really interesting. When we look back at the offseason, it was so frustrating as Angel fans to see the Padres getting all of the pitchers that they wanted, all of the position players that they wanted. And it was like, well, wait, can't, can't we have you Darvish? Can't we have Joe Musgrove? Cause we were, we had our eyes on a lot of those targets and they all ended up in San Diego and, and to, to their credit, the, the, they had the players to give away. They had the players to trade. They had the ability to bring those guys to San Diego. But I think what's interesting about this season is, despite getting everybody that they could have wished for, and even over the trade deadline, they got Adam Frazier. um, They haven't had the kind of season that you would expect considering they built this team that that was almost pretty much exactly who they wanted. So my question for you guys is what can be learned from this situation with the fact that the Padres were able to trade for everybody who they wanted. They were able to target everybody who they wanted and 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 build the team that they wanted to what can we learn from that because they have the team they want but they're they're not in a great position right now what do you guys think Andrew why don't you start yeah it's certainly difficult because you're right going into this season after the offseason they had they were getting praised for like basically having the perfect Mm offseason like filled a bunch of holes brought in some big name high quality talent I think the biggest thing I'm close with several Padres fans I texted them when I saw this kind of on our script and I'm like you know, what happened this year? And one of my friends just responded, I'm like, what went wrong this year? And my friend responds just one word and he says, everything. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Padres fans, man, Padres fans are so sad right now, rightfully so, but they're, they're so frustrated. Um, they did suffer a lot of injuries. I know we're no, you know, stranger to, to an injury riddled season with us this year. Um, so they did deal with a lot of injuries. Part of the issue with that was they did trade away a lot of their depth. Um, I don't mm. think I, I asked this question. I'm like, does that mean like they were reckless in their trades and not so much because they just had so many injuries that like they didn't anticipate needing this much depth. So that's part of it. But then one thing we we, we talked about was 
the overall resolve of the team when things started to get bad wasn't quite there. Mm. They, 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 it's easy to win games, right? It's easy to have fun winning games. Totally. It's hard when you start losing and not playing well to come around and, and continue to just play your baseball. And he said that was the biggest thing he noticed was that their their uh, manager, Jace Tingler, just didn't seem to have a good control on the team, mm. wasn't able to bring those guys together in the face of struggle, and the slide just continued to get worse and worse. And I think the Machado blow-up, while it was, I agree, looks like it was supportive, maybe wasn't the right time and place to have that kind mm-hmm. of outburst. Mm-hmm. I think it was a sign of kind of what has been happening in the clubhouse of just kind of a lack of control of the players. Um, and that's something that's super important, something that Madden historically has done very well at in creating that clubhouse culture. And so we kind of like knock that and not think that's important sometimes. But I think it is super important when you start to lose and not play well to have that clubhouse culture to back you up and continue playing your game and bring things back around. That's a really great point. I think we talked about it earlier, but I think we have to bottle what Jared Walsh has done in his mm. adjustments and use that and sprinkle that on our team next year around mm-hmm. August because mm-hmm. that's the thing that I think the Padres don't have. They're great. They're talented. They're ball players. They can win. They can score runs. But when it comes to doing this every single day, you're going to have people that are going to figure you out, at least for a time. And it seems like they've been figured out during the month of August and into September. Yeah. And they need to adjust. And they have to figure out how to adjust. And so I think what the Angels can learn is probably what Jared Walsh is learning right now is I got to adjust. I can't just go out mm-hmm. there and crush it. I have to swing a different way. I, I thought about the game you were at, Johnny, when he hit the ball and it went up the middle and they were playing him to shift. That swing almost looked super mm-hmm. intentional because he beat the the play out at first base and he was trying to go the other way. And he knew we needed runners. We don't need a right. home run right now. We needed runners. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what the Padres are missing. And what I loved, and he gets a bad rap, but I loved Manny Machado pulling in Tatis and saying, dude, it's not about you. We need you, but it's not about you. So don't get thrown out. We're all frustrated. We got to stay focused. We got to stay in in the game here. And I think what Walsh has proved for our team is what the Padres need. And it'll be interesting to see if they can pivot, but that's what the Angels can learn is they got to learn how to play in these really difficult days when you're in game 130, game 140, game 150, right? And you're feeling the aches and the pains and and you're getting pushed. They got to figure out how to adjust so that they can keep on winning and get to the playoffs. As disappointing as the end of this season has been or really since the you know the the All-Star break when we thought we would have Trout and Rendon back. I have to say that it seems like the the energy and the vibe of the Angels is still pretty positive, at least among the players. And I think that goes back to what you said, Andrew, is like like the culture that Joe Madden is creating. Um, another thing that Rhett Bollinger said on on Daniel's podcast was the the players are buying into it. The players are really buying into the culture creation that that Madden has mm. brought to the table. And you see that with you know guys getting pumped for you know, good plays on the field or, or just like encouraging each other and having fun. I mean, I know he's hurt right now, but with, with Joe Adele making catches in the outfield and getting up and yeah, you know, like that's fun to see. It's great to see Mayfield get excited when he hits an unexpected home run. Um, you, you (laughs) see just these guys having fun still, even though it's like, yeah, we, we aren't going anywhere, but we still have the enthusiasm and the energy. And I think that that really speaks to the culture that Madden is building. And, and that's the danger, right? You, you bring in a bunch of players from a bunch of different teams who are all great, but if you don't have that cohesiveness, mm-hmm. then, then that bond might not be there. And I think that that is something that the Padres are, are dealing with. Okay. So thinking about this question causes me to consider another question for you guys. So if we're looking at the Padres and saying, what can we learn? What's a team that you would say we can model our success after? Andrew, what do you think? Yeah, I think you look at those teams that are just consistently there, consistently good. Um, the St. Louis Cardinals are one of them, and I hate to say it, but the Los Angeles Dodgers are another one. <laughs> oh yeah, and it's it starts it starts in in um, rookie ball. I mean, it's developing these guys mm. from the inside. And I think where you see these perfect teams, like these super teams come together is when they've spent time developing players. They finally get to the point where those developed players are entering the show and they're starting to play well. And then they add in a few more pieces that they just weren't quite able to develop. It's usually pitching. 
and then they're just they create these dominant teams but at the same time they're still developing at the lower level and that's how you consistently create this like winning culture and to me it's like those 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 things that we don't see as fans that's like the most important part to creating a sustainably winning organization Mm. Yeah, I got to agree with with Andrew about the Dodgers. I mean, they were just so consistently there all the time. And you could see that even though they bring in guys like a Max Scherzer and, and kind of get the players that they want, it's it it's not a lot of people criticize them. Oh, you bought a team. You bought a team. And I understand their payroll is high. But if, I mean, look at the look at who's on the team. It's Clayton Kershaw. It's Justin Turner. Like these these are guys that have been there forever and and mm-hmm. Corey Seager, who's come up through their system. And, and so they just they they have a great player development and these guys have worked together for so long that I think that they're so cohesive in the way that they play ball that 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 winning attitude I think has everything to do with the fact that they've been around each other forever and they've worked their way up through mm-hmm. the minors and and here they are in the show together and having a good time so I think I think they're a team to look to absolutely I would love to uh pick the brain of those that are in Oakland and also those that are in Cleveland yeah because Oakland is just fascinating mm, and mm-hmm. how they're able to have this, like the starting rotation. And I know it was us and I know we've struggled, but seeing Frankie Montas and, and, and seeing the other guys that are pitching, like they just look like Cy Young award winners when they're against us, but they're <laughs> actually having really great years. And then I look at Cleveland, like they traded away a lot of their starting rotation, but have been able to replace them. Now they're not having a great year. And so there might be some growth, but there seems to be some horses that they got in the minor leagues. And I would love to pick the brain of those two organizations because especially Oakland, they just seem to be uh, right there all the time. Mm-hmm. They, and they don't make those big moves because you know that they're cheap and it'll be interesting to see if they do move and if that, that payroll actually will grow. But I would say Oakland or Cleveland would be two teams that I would love to model our success after. Julio mentioned something at the game on Sunday. He said that, he feels it in his gut, and he's not very confident that the A's will hold on to Matt Chapman and Matt Olson this mm. offseason. And so while I agree with you, like they are a perfect example of a cohesive unit and just have constantly have the talent in, in the depths in their, in their uh, system, the other side of that coin is, yeah, but how long are they there for? You know, And yeah, I know yeah. that the, the Mats are making a big impact like they always do every season, but it's also kind of something that happens with the A's a lot is, but how long are they going to stay? And and right. and so and that's not by choice of of fans or the players. It's you know management saying, oh, we got to get the best we can get for Matt Olson while we still can, and 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 get some players back for it. So that's why they're constantly good. But yeah, on the other side of of their cohesiveness is how long is it going to last? That's that's a frustrating place to be, I think. Right. All right, so we are, uh, John and I are fans of MLB The Show. Andrew, are you a fan? Are you a video gamer? I'm a big MLB The Show fan, yeah. Okay, nice. good. You can stay. Uh, <laughs> okay, so the big conversation this last weekend was who's going to be on the cover. I think that we're all going to be uh, in unison when we when we agree to who's going to be on the cover. So just for previous covers, we, we saw Bryce Harper in 2019 Javi Baez in 2020, which is so funny based off of where he's at right now. Uh, Tatis was on the cover this year. So, John, start us. Who will be on the 2020 cover of MLB The Show? I want to see two Shohei Otanis on the cover because I want to see him holding the bat and throwing a ball. That's my opinion. <laughs> I think Love somebody it. mocked Andrew, that up that, on Twitter, yeah. and it looked amazing. That cover would be sick. I have not seen that. I got to see that. Uh, but, yeah, it's the man that you can't even make in MLB The Show because he's that good and he's that unique. It's Shohei <laughs> yes. Otani. Hopefully next, hopefully they put him on the cover and you'll be able to make someone like that. I think everyone it might ruin the game, but there'll be too many. <laughs> So full disclosure, I always just bump up my power hit. Is this everybody? I bump up my power hitters. I bump up all of my my hitting stats. So that way I can put it on like the hardest level, but still actually compete. And what's funny about Shohei, and I think he'll be on the cover. I love that idea, John, of having a pitcher and a, and a hitter with Shohei. But he's going to be somebody that you don't have to bump up because he's just going to be that mm-hmm. good right. when, you, when you play him. And so I think he'll be on the cover. And I again, I love that idea of having two Shohei's on the cover. It's It's been a bummer that Trout hasn't been on the cover. And I know every year for the last 10 years has been like, why haven't they put Trout on there? But he his his image has been licensed to, I think it's a... Uh, it's an app, and I forget which app it is. RBI I, I or something like that? Uh, RBI is the, like, like 
simul not the simulator like the arcade style baseball but uh it's um nine innings that's what it nine is innings, so yeah, he okay. he gave out his image to to nine innings which is a great app for your phone it's a great baseball game but it's it's not the show so if we can't have trout as an angel on the cover i will take otani all, all day and otani him too <laughs> and you, and you know nine innings nine innings is going we've got trout so we've we got care. trout. <laughs> exactly that would make otani the first pitcher on an mlb the show cover oh, oh that's a good point that is a good yeah. point that's right How about that Hopefully there's no Madden curse, right? Oh, like, geez, no, no, no. No, no, no. <laughs> 2K used to have uh, uh, pitchers on the on the front when they were still making the 2K baseball games. They had David Price. I know they had – I think they had Cliff Lee on the cover for, like, 11. Um, so that that was cool. But, yeah, you're right. I, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, no no pitchers on the show. They had Joe Maurer a couple years in a row yeah, um, yeah. on the show. I remember that. They were big Joe Maurer fans back in the day, apparently. <laughs> I'm just taking notes that I'm going to need to actually purchase that game for me. Merry Christmas, Mike. Yeah, That's what I'm exactly. exactly. <laughs> Mike, you sent me something funny uh, from, from Twitter, uh, but I want to let you share it. What, what, what was it that you found? Okay. Because I was scrolling on Twitter and I love the, uh, the hashtag. So I'm clicking on angel hashtags and I'm cl- clicking on, we believe, right. Oh, we got to get rid of and that hashtag for next season. <laughs> I'm please, so sick please, of tweeting please. that. Yeah, it's, we, it's, we believe, in the future, right? And so um, if we're going to talk about the Angels, I, I, I loved this tweet from an Angel fan, and I didn't get the handle, but um, they said, this is my life on Twitter as an Angel fan every year. <laughs> March to April, being overexcited, telling people why they're sleeping on the Angels. May to June, being let down and realizing the season is over. <laughs> July to February, Viet- uh, I, I'm going to skip that word. <laughs> Vehemently. Thank you. Thank you. You're, you educated man, you. Uh, vehemently defending Trout and now Otani's MVP case and case for being the number one player in the MLB. And I don't know, that just that just spoke to my soul. <laughs> that spoke to my soul. And so it, it caused me to think about our team. And if we were going to fast forward to one year from today and talk about the Angels in the future... Where is the team? What are we celebrating? Where are we going? Mm. Where's the team? What are we celebrating? Where are we going? Why don't you start us, Andrew? Yeah, I, I love this question um, because I already have a lot of hope for 2022. But I had a, <laughs> I'm already at that March point. Um, I had a conversation with Jose Moda at the start of the season, Angels broadcaster. At the end of it, I asked him, what are the Angels? How are they going to finish this year? What's the record going to be? And he told me, I think this is a 90 plus win, win team. And I like, mm-hmm. I didn't believe it. I was like, I don't think we are. Like, I think we'll land in the 80s. Um, we're currently now at like 72 and 78. And I can confidently say I was wrong because we are not a team that should, should be even close remotely to 500. I think if you bring mm-hmm. in Trout, you bring in Rendon, we're like, we are a 90 plus win team. That's an extra 10 wins right there. Like, quantitatively mm-hmm. like statistically that's 10 wins and i then you add like the conversations we've had um just a little bit ago about strengthening the lineup around you making like getting guys better pitches and then just overall the morale of a winning team i think we are without a doubt within that 90 win season and so that means looking ahead to next year i think we can fall within i think we're competing for a playoffs i think september one year from now we're going to be talking and we're going to be excited trying to figure out if we're going to win the aos or we're in a wild card race i think we're in that picture as long as everything stays healthy i think we're seeing joe adam brandon marsh come to form and i think the Mm. best part might be is watching trout otani and rendon all all square off in an mvp race i love that oh yeah three three possible mvps on on the same team i i would love to see that 100 percent. the blue jays got that going on a little bit right now between Guerrero and Simeon. Yeah. <laughs> but we all know Otani is going to get it. For sure. <laughs> you know, I think when Mike and I did our season predictions, like I predicted high, I thought that we would at least get a wild card spot because you're right. Like with this team and the way that they've been performing without Trout and without Rendon and without a healthy Justin Upton hitting home runs, I think it goes to show like we don't deserve to be near 500 at this point, mm-hmm. but somehow we are and it comes with the surprises around the 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 team and and the lineup and the rotation and we're starting to see who's going to be uh contributing to next year. I really love the way the Angels have played out the last 
month and a half of this season because you're getting looks at guys like Jose Marte and Packy Naughton and Oliver Ortega. You're, you're looking at young guys and how they might figure into situations in 2022. And, and if they're, quite frankly, good enough to be there uh, to start the season next year, or maybe they need a little more seasoning in, in AAA or AA or whatever that might mean. But I, I do love the fact that we've been able to spend time looking at who's going to help us in 2022. And and I think a year from now, you're exactly right. I think that we're sitting above 90 wins. I think that we're a team to be excited about. And we'll be arguing who starts the uh, who starts the uh, wild card game, Otani or Scherzer. That's my question. <laughs> <laughs> Just had to throw that in there. <laughs> I'll take it, man. I'll take it. Well, I think about like Trout, if he's playing right now, his his equal is is like a Tatis, right? And mm. so Tatis's war right now is I think six point four, six point seven, which is probably where Trout would be. And then if Rendon's playing, his war is probably in the 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 low threes, maybe maybe high twos, right? And and if you have a healthy healthy starting rotation, I think that we have ten to twelve plus wins. And so if you just look at our record right now, take. 10 wins off of our losses and add it to our wins were 82 and 68. And that puts us right in the middle of the wild card race. Mm-hmm. I think that we're actually even closer next year. We're probably at 85 wins closer to 90 wins at this point next year. And again, we're in that wild card hunt. I think what the Yankees are doing this year is probably what the angels will do next year. I think that they might have mm-hmm. a moment where they're, Hey, they gotta they gotta take off, and then they will take off, and we'll be right in the mix of the wild card hunt, and perhaps even be on top of the wild card. And so we might have to play that game, but that actually might be a benefit to us because we've seen how it's hurt us in years past, like 2014 when we were the best team in in baseball, and the Royals went to the wild card Ugh. game, and they just had a ton of momentum, and then they swept right through us. So I think we're 10 to 12 games. Uh, uh, better than we are currently right now, maybe even in the 90 win mark. And I think next year we're going to see that Otani's not a fluke. And I think Mike Trout is going to be in the MVP conversation. And I think our pitching staff is going to give us confidence that this team actually knows what they're doing. Because I think about Patrick Sandoval being in there mm-hmm. and grinding it out. If Alex Cobb comes back and perhaps we do get somebody like a Max Scherzer, like that would be a game changer for us. But even if he's not on the team, I still think that we're close to the 90 win mark this year, uh, next year, a year from now on this day. Yeah, the pitching is already better than it was at the beginning of the season, to be quite honest. And and you and I, Mike, had a conversation last week. Like you look at those early games and you look at the games against like the White Sox and how good we performed and then how we went into, you know, uh, play Toronto and we, we did really well there too. And um, and, and then dominated the twins. Like the, the start of this season was so hopeful and it was, it felt so much fun to be like, Oh, we got a winning team this year. And, and those injuries just killed us, man. I saw a clip of Anthony Rendon's home run in Arizona when we took on the diamondbacks, um, in Arizona and he, he hit a home run. It was a long time coming. They even said it on the broadcast. It was like, man, he's been waiting for that one. And you watch him run the bases, and he's hurting. Mm-hmm. He is just—you yeah. yeah. could just see it on his face. Like he's in so much pain, and so I just—I feel like we never got our due in terms of what does this team look like when they're healthy and at full staff and and just raring to go. So I'm looking forward to next year for sure. Yeah, and I'll add that after that first week, it wasn't just Angels fans being like we're good. It was all of the MLB like Twitter saying, "Oh, the yeah. Angels are good." And to me, I was kind of surprised to see that, but I think people really really want to see this team succeed. And people have been frustrated with the Angels and they have a right to do so because our our lineup is stacked and it has a lot of stars. People want to see the Angels in the playoffs. And when we're good, we can celebrate with everyone. No more Twitter wars. We're just going to have a good time. <laughs> I still want Twitter wars. That's that's fun. <laughs> you just want to fight. You just, just want to cause fight. trouble. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Somebody And you do. Somebody said, Andrew, I, I'm sure you saw this tweet, but somebody said, uh, so you're telling me that if just because Otani hits oh, well and pitches well, he's going to be MVP candidate every year? And, and I retweeted and I said, 
yeah, that's what it means. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Nobody else is doing that. Like, he's a great hitter and a great pitcher. Like, of course he's going to be in the conversation because he does both. I can't believe just how blind people are to what they're witnessing this season. It really goes to show, like, how long have you been watching baseball? Because this has never been done before. Yeah. It cracks me up to see some of the arguments for Vladdy. And don't get me wrong, Vlad's great. Any other season, this is his MVP. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, you just – you can't top – what Otani's doing, man. It's just so funny to see people freak out about this conversation. I love that your response was, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Duh. And I had Duh. a gif. I had a gif of I had a gif of Brian Regan doing the doy face. <laughs> That's so good. Oh, I think man. when you get really mad on Twitter, though, I need you to like grease your hair out like Seth Rollins from WWE, because <laughs> yeah. then it would be like then you're now you're ready for a fight. Now, now you know, burn it down, burn baby. it, burn it down. down. <laughs> That's our new hashtag next year for the Angels. Burn it down. Burn it burn down. It down. <laughs> I'm all for that. <laughs> All right, so uh, as always, we we like to see where the different play-by-play announcers fit. And it, it at the beginning of the season, we had no idea that we would have eighteen play-by-play guys to keep track of. But that's that's how yeah. it's ended up being. So Mike, they called what? us. We're going to do the game next week. <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch that. I'd watch that thing through and through. <laughs> I would love that. Um, and, and you know what else is funny is is lately uh, they've been letting Langston do play-by-play and Terry Smith doing color commentary on the radio. I mean, we don't keep track of those guys because they're always there. But it's just like, oh, there's another play-by-play guy happening this season. So Hashtag burn it down. Burn it down. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mike, do you want to take us through the, uh, the standings as uh, it stands for the different play-by-play announcers at this point? Yes, yeah, so this is as of Tuesday night before the game finishes. Uh, your boy, Matty V, is 23-30 and yeah. 30 when he's calling games. Darren Sutton may rest in peace, but he's not dead. 29-23. <laughs> and 23. Uh, Rich Waltz is 13-19, and 19, and I think he's on the call tonight. He am is. I, am I correct? Yeah, he is I, w- on the call I would tonight. go ahead and assume it's going to be 13-20 and 20 by, <laughs> by how it's looking. So Yeah, it's uh, right now, as of broadcast, it is, uh, what, 9-1? to 1? So that's, uh, no, that's 10 to one, <laughs> 10 to one. Great. I, and I think I just literally checked the score before I even asked that question. So, um, Hey, it's uh, burning it down. All right. So which rich, rich Waltz, let's say he's 13 and 20. Jose Moda is two and one Patrick O'Neill, who I've really enjoyed. Yeah. By the way. Uh, he is three and four. We had two Fox Saturday games, two and oh, and then we have that one YouTube game and we are O and one. And if we include tonight's game, we're assuming that they're going to lose. If you're listening to this after Tuesday night, you're like, what, what are they talking about? <laughs> uh, we're recording Tuesday night. So our, our record stands right now at 72 and 79. Andrew, who's been your, your favorite play-by-play guy this season? I really do want to shout out Mark Gubazov because he's had to deal with like just a lot oh. of partners through the years totally. or like through, through this year. Like that's difficult, but like, I love listening to Mark Gubazov. The dude's like so smart and like, so Seriously. just enthusiastic about baseball and the angels. So I'm shouting out Mark Gubazov real quick. On top of that, yes. I, I really enjoyed um, Ridge Waltz in the booth. I really just, I, mm. I like the sound. I liked his attitude. I liked the way he called big plays. Um, I really like listening to him. It's been great to hear him get more comfortable as as the season has gone on yes. too. Like he's really familiar yeah. with everybody. He's starting to, you know, he he defends the Angels a little bit when when things are up in the air and and we need something to go our way. So mm-hmm. he he's been great at that. So yeah, I, I I really enjoyed Waltz as well. And for me, Matty V was like signing a a free agent <laughs> when I, when I found out he was going to be our play by play guy. I was so excited and and. And, and it's been a little disappointing that, you know, he's got to do the remote thing, but mm-hmm. at the same time, it's, he's fun. I do enjoy him. Yeah. Who's been your he's favorite, a, He's Mike? a fan. He's a fan of our yeah. team, and that's what I really love about it. And, Andrew, you mentioned it earlier where it was he was talking about when Shohei got hit, you know, like, whoa. Right? Dude, so yeah. <laughs> I, I think what I really en- endeared him to me was when Walsh hit that walk-off against the White Sox on that Sunday night game. And I know that he's got to play fair because he's calling the Sunday night game with A-Rod on ESPN, but he was so excited when, when Walsh hit the walk-off. And so I I love Matty V. I also love Rich Waltz. I mentioned it before on this on this podcast, but he reminds me of Bob Costas. He's got mm-hmm. that Bob Costas rhythm to him. And he's gotten, he's gotten kind of feisty and sassy lately as he's really started to really love the team. And so hopefully those guys will be back and there'll be a bit more consistency next season. Um, Because I really enjoy both of them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, 
Hey, Andrew, thanks for hanging with us, man. I hope it's the first of, of many visits, especially as we get into the off season. So thanks for joining us and, and jumping on the pod, man. It's been great. Yeah, I had a ton of fun. Like I said, I've been really enjoying your guys' podcast and then continuing to listen to them. And when you guys asked me to jump on, I was like, of course. Super excited. <laughs> I love so that. So thank you guys. Oh, you thank- are now a Halo brother. That's right. <laughs> I'm here. That's right. <laughs> it's awesome. So if 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 my Halo bro looks like Mario and yours looks like Luigi, uh, does that make Andrew like, Who do I like get? Wario or <laughs> <laughs> or or Toad? Or he could or be t- the princess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> if I get a set, right, I'll take ins- Wario. <laughs> There you go. There you, go. You, you can't insult our guests. We want him to come back, Mike. Come on. Oh, sorry. Sorry. My apologies. So, Andrew. I didn't just, say Bowser. Ah, there you go. That's, true. That's a good That's one. True. I'll take it. Andrew, just one more time for everybody. Where can everybody find you on, on Twitter and Instagram? Just to remind everyone. Yeah, Instagram, angels underscore top plays. That's where I kind of do all the highlights, news, all that other fun stuff. Um, Twitter, at plays angels. And that's just kind of my off the cuff thoughts and reactions and random little things I, I think about here and there. And again, if you're a true angel fan, you need to be following both of those handles because you got to get all the all the top plays content that you can get. So. <laughs> And again, if you guys want to follow us on, on social media, uh, you can find us at Super Halo Bros on Instagram and Twitter. Again, thank you for uh, listening to the pod this week, wherever you get your podcast. And if it happens to be on Apple Podcasts, it would really help us out if you would leave a, uh, a review, a five-star review for us. That would be really great. But uh, yeah, thanks for jumping on. I, I hope that we do this again. And uh, especially with the offseason, we, we uh, want to stick with our fans through the the dark days of winter it's getting dark a lot sooner i'm not enjoying that i don't know about you guys <laughs> but uh i think that about does it what do you say mike i think it's great but in defense of the princess mario brothers 2 she can fly in oh that that's game. true that's and true so I, I wouldn't be so quick to say no right? right she can fly in that game and i use her in the ice level because that level's difficult right you're selling me on the princess i'll, I'll sleep on it i'll tell you my next podcast next time i'm on i'll tell you what <laughs> There we go. Beautiful. There we go. Well, until until next week, guys, uh, uh, my name is John, and that's my brother Mike. And my name is Mike, and that's my brother John. And we will see you next week right here on the Super Halo Bros. Los Angeles Angels podcast. Thanks, everybody.